All right, this episode of The Damn Podcast is brought to you by Scott Santana, Farmers Insurance. If you want to reach Scott and have all or any insurance questions, 503-393-6771. Scott Santana, Farmers Insurance. All right, welcome back in another edition of The Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. What up, Angie? Hey, what's up, Brandon? Oh, not much. Just just chilling. Getting uh, we're taping this at three thirty on a Thursday. I'm going to the Blazer game against uh, Memphis tonight. So uh, nice. really excited to talk some Oregon State football and hit a hoops game in at the same time. Perfect. And then men's basketball at Oregon State plays an exhibition tonight too. So um, that's yeah. on Pac-12 Net. Yeah. Beaver Blitz. We have a subscriber chat tonight. Oh, ho, ho, ho. all kinds of stuff going on. Well, well, by the time we send this out, that should be the perfect time to pub. Hey, guess what? There's a chat over at beaverblitz.com for the game. At Beaverblitz, we're doing a chat. We usually do it Wednesday. Yesterday was my anniversary, so I put it off till tonight. Well, hey, happy anniversary. How many years have you been married? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm old. Fifteen. Oh, really? Fifteen years of marriage. Yes, you've been got married. It was the Fiesta Bowl year. You've been married about as long as I've been alive. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, listeners. If you don't know anything about me, I'm really not 16 years old, I promise. Pretty cool, um, What did you do? Did you do anything special? No, the kids took us to a um, taqueria. Yeah, it was fancy, <laughs> fancy, schmancy, not. But you, you got to, you know, uh, kids want to do stuff with you. You got to yeah. jump at it because my kids are older and they're not going to want to do stuff with me pretty soon. I'm not going to be cool. No, that, I think that's a really good point. And I think people, I think parents rotate. And granted, I've been a parent three years. But I think you take years where you rotate every once in a while where you're like, oh, let's do the family thing. And then it's like, hey, you know what? Let's make this an us weekend or an us day. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just it. It's a Wednesday night. I'll hit up wine tasting, or Eric and I'll do wine tasting sometime. But mm-hmm. no, it was good. We had a little in the, you know, with the kids. I was told that I'm a horrible dancer, so you know, hey. Well, you're white though, aren't you? I, I thought I was pretty good. We had Nelly going, uh-huh. and um, they they put put on the Whip and Nene song. Oh no! I thought I had it, but no. That song needs to just go away at this point. It's 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 doing too much. All right, let let's. Uh... Let's transition naturally from your love life and your marriage <laughs> and your lack of dancing skills to uh, to Oregon State. They had a big weekend, or a big week, I should say, since the last damn podcast we did, a big week in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy because last week we talked about, you know, so many, you know a couple of the guys they picked up the week before, and, and since the damn podcast last Thursday, they've picked up four new commits. Um, they picked up Isaac Garcia and Shamaya Whitson. I Beaver or podcast listeners probably remember us talking about them. They mm-hmm. visited two weeks ago with Mason Moran and Chase Lucas. Um, Isaac Garcia is a three-star defensive end out of Bellevue and uh, a big-time prospect. He's a nearly a four-star with rivals. He's a 5.7 ranking. Originally had committed to USC, so um, you know, big-time player, and is coming to Oregon State now. He's he loved what he saw. Shamaya, kind of the same boat, only not quite as big of a prospect out of San Bernardino, but loved his trip, kind of more of an under-the-radar player. Um, but you have one guy in Isaac that's kind of ready to hit the ground running, and one that's more, maybe more of a project needs to redshirt. And then during the weekend and then earlier this week, Beavs picked up Andre Hughes-Murray, a, uh, another linebacker out of Federal Way, Washington, three-star prospect, you know, big physical guy. So um, exciting times for Beavers there. And then Sione Finau committed just recently. He's out of Utah, running back 
two-star prospect, but a lot of people in Utah say he is the top running back prospect in the state. Wow. He is a, a mission guy, though, so mm-hmm. Beaver fans don't be expecting to see him you know, anytime soon, although he does have a brother returning back from a mission here this this year. So there you go. You know, um, I think an encouraging thing, because uh, nobody's as informed on recruiting as you are at beaverblitz.com, um, I think an, an intriguing thing from a person like me's perspective of knowing how important it's, it is for the program to recruit well and, and get the right guys in there and coach them up and, and what that can mean. It is interesting that they are having a great recruiting class despite being as bad as they've been at times this year. Now, the Utah game, they looked way better defensively. And we'll talk a little Nick Mitchell on the podcast as well. But overall, I mean, you'd see the season, you'd be like two wins and a lot of these games not even close. And that doesn't seem to make a difference. And I think that speaks volumes to what this coaching staff means to, to some of these kids. It, exactly. And, and it comes down to really selling a vision. And, and the staff is doing a very, very good job of selling the vision, not only of what they want in players and what this you know, program is going to look like in a, in a year or two or three, but they're also you know, showing facilities, the, the improvements of Valley Center. And uh, you know, Coach Anderson actually said it Monday at his press conference how you know, these guys that they're recruiting now are going to be ones that maybe are, are coming, they are going to be the ones coming back in 20, 30 years that Oregon State's celebrating for the renaissance of the program. See, and I, I saw that comment too, and that kind of blew me away. Uh, normally coaches don't give you much on the recruiting classes because they just, they can't, they're they're forbidden. But uh, to come out and have that kind of statement. Now, I want to ask your opinion on this. So, mm-hmm. so Todd Graham, before the year, he is a big uh, emphasis on this is the best blank and he'll he'll say that that's the best practice i've ever had at arizona state or before the year remember kirk herb street picked them to be in the playoff yeah he told the local media in arizona this is the best team i've had far and away it's a guy that's won nine wins at that program had really had really good success thus far and they've been disappointing does it worry you when gary anderson says a statement like that like this is the class in 30 years people are going to point at before they've even stepped foot on campus not, not so much because, I mean, yeah, Todd Graham's setting himself up for failure every time he says well, and, that. And that's what I know? wonder, Angie, is like, does, is there a little bit of that with, with some Beaver fan of, if they don't come in right away and impress, like how many fans are like, well, I thought this was the 30-year the yeah, yeah, celebration class. I mean, I, I see this more as like a two or three-year, you know, rebuild. You know, I, was, I was, right before the podcast, I was talking to a source of mine who's very well connected in, in college football. And, and, you know, he said flat out, he's like, Angie, this this team's going to, you know, give them three years. But, you know, he goes, I like what I've heard from this staff. So, you know, it's it's not going to be an overnight thing, but, you know, you you build on the success of this class, but the, you know, the 2016, 2017 class, maybe mm-hmm. get some other guys coming in to the mix. It just takes that little shifting culture and then athleticism. I, I think they're making strides with culture. It's the athleticism that's been lacking, and I, I, I think we're going to see that. So they get all these commits in the week. Um, I know the Enkeel Harry kid who wasn't able to make it, he committed to ASU. Uh, and that came, I guess that shouldn't be too much of a, of a surprise. Uh, Isaac Garcia had a really cool way of announcing with his puzzle pieces on Twitter. Yeah, the puzzle. And it, it, it's interesting. I know, Brandon, were you watching that? Because 
it, it feels a little weird, you know, checking in Twitter every hour on the hour watching for some 17-year-old <laughs> do. Uh, no, I wasn't watching that, like, actively, but, like, if I got on social media that day, I just happened to see a couple of those pieces be put. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool, though. I mean... It's a it's a unique way for him to do it. I mean, I don't, I don't judge the kids for the way they do it. If anything, I would judge uh, coverage or the way that some people cover it more than yeah, I would, yeah. like, the way a kid announces it. You know what I mean? And I've had this conversation with several Beaver fans and, you know, the whole hat thing and, and, you know, they think it's just silly. You know, why, why do these kids are, they're going to, you know, they haven't stepped foot on campus yet, yet they're wanting all this attention. And my counter to that is, you know, yeah, they're 17 and let, they are big fish right now in a little pond. Let them have their little moment of glory. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, of the names that we have, and I know we have some four stars in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you go Captain Obvious on me and you give me the four-star name, but is there is there one name that you're you think the coaching staff might be a little more uh, anxious to get into the program of all the ones they have? I mean, there's a couple. I mean, Christian Wallace, he is a four-star. He's the cornerback out of Texas. He's big time. I mean, big time player that could play right now. Six two, two hundred pounds. I mean, this is a corner. You can see that kind of that philosophy change with the staff and. The, the former staff, you know, seemed to recruit those five nine, five ten, five eleven corners that maybe were a buck seventy, buck eighty. This is a corner that's coming in at six two two hundred. Wow. I mean, he is ready for the field right now. Jeez. The other one, I think, and I don't see him. I see him redshirting, but I see him making a big impact in a lot of ways. Is the quarterback Mason Moran? You want that quarterback to be a leader and to be able to, you know, talk to the other players and get everybody as a cohesive unit. And he's been doing that from Chandler. He's a leader. He, he's been talking to other kids in the class. I, I reached out. Trevon Bradford is a local Oregon City wide receiver commit, and he went down for an unofficial visit when Mason was in town, and they hooked up, got to know each other a little bit. Mason was very instrumental in, in getting Hamilcar Rashid an offer and getting him in the, in the mix. I know he's recruiting Chase Lucas. So, you know, those two right there. But there's there's a couple that, uh, you know, Artavis Pierce, the running back. He's little, but he's big and strong, and mm-hmm. Oregon State needs some help at running back right now, too. I think it's going to be very interesting to see, like, this class is I, – I just think there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of buzz um, from fans on what this class and what this coaching staff – uh, has really done thus far, and I will say it's it's impressive to see again, despite the losses, that they still are able to be in contention for a lot of these kids. And I think it does, despite the two win season and not, you know not having the greatest year. I think it does leave you very encouraged for what they can build at Oregon State. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I go down the list, and there's just you, you you're getting a picture. You know, if you look at the list of commits, and you look, I mean, a guy like Joe Robinette, a defensive end. Commit. He's six eight, two twenty five right now. Wow. In your head, I mean, That's he's so going to be a stand up rush in for the Beavers. That's they a Nate Orchard like kid. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, you know, a, a big, physical, long arms. I mean, that's the kind of defense that you know Coach Stocky wants to build. Yeah. So I, I think Beaver fans see his excitement with that. Okay. Um, we have a couple recruiting questions, but let's do some damn. Some damn questions. We have um we have some topics that we're gonna get to today, and so we've moved up to the damn questions a little earlier than usual. So uh, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start with some damn questions? Well, I have one here. Okay, let's let's, let's go. Here. Let's get it. In Europe, this is a jump drive. So okay. Joe, Joe is awesome. He has actually told us on the website that he, I believe he's eighty one. Awesome. Big time Beaver fan. Shout out to Joe. 
So Jump Drive asks, in your opinion and for insight behind the scenes, do you believe there will be at least 10 players that leave the program at the end of the year looking for more playing time? Oh, that's a really good number, 10. Um, I don't think there will be 10. I wouldn't go quite. That That's a pretty significant number of kids that will leave. Uh, I won't go 10. I won't go quite that high. I do think there's going to be a, not a mass exodus, but I think there's going to be a handful of kids that decide, hey, you know, and I think the coaching staff is going to be very honest with them and say, look, this is kind of where we pegged you, where we're thinking you're going to be in the future. If you want to make a decision, you can. But I, I don't think, I think 10 is pretty high. Uh, and that would be, correct me if I'm wrong, that's pretty unusual for a program to lose 10 players like that. So I wouldn't go quite that high. It, it is unusual, but not a lot of times after the first year of a coaching change. Yeah, but I still think there could be seven or eight. Really? I do. And then uh, his follow-up was, do you think one of them could be a quarterback? Oh. <laughs> I wasn't going to throw that one out there, but why I not? I see what he's putting down. I smell it. I can see what he's putting down. Um, I mean, it would just de- it would depend on what your natural inclination would be or what your opinion would be of the quarterback. Like mine, if you ask me if there's a quarterback going to leave, because you're adding... You're adding Garrettson, and then you're adding Mason Moran, uh, and you have McMarion right now, Mitchell plus Collins. I no, yes, I do think a McMarion will leave, and I think ultimately a Seth Collins will move position. That's there's a prediction for you. There you I, go. I think Seth Collins will move a position. Uh, we talked about him so much this season, but see, I don't see it. I think he, in his head, is a quarterback. He wants to be the quarterback. Maybe, hey, maybe you're absolutely right, and he finds a way to study enough film and work on some of his throwing mechanics, but it's like basic, some of the stuff he's not able to do right now, and granted, he was injured and didn't get too many reps during Colorado, but I just, I, if I had to like give a feel, I, I don't, Nick Mitchell's kind of given the reins right now. McMarion kind of gets lost in that shovel, because I just don't think, I don't think Garrettson's going to be relegated to third string. Um, and I, I do think ultimately maybe you have a Mason Moran have to redshirt next year. So if I was to pick one, I think it'd be McMarion, and it honestly wouldn't surprise me. So I'll go on a limb, and I'll say yes, one of them will be a quarterback. There you go. Do you have a prediction? Do you think one will leave? Yeah. I you don't think, have to I pick think, one, but do you think I think, think we'll see one leave? leave. Okay. I do, too. I mean, it just with, with Garrettson back in the mix, I mean, it, ideally you want five quarterbacks, though, on your roster. So yeah, you want them spaced out a little better. Here's one. I don't know. This is a, it's a little tough one, but uh, Ebbs15 said he's been sitting on this for a week when he was listening to last week's episode. What the so hell are you, you sitting on it for, Ebbs? Come on, he was, man. He was listening to last week's podcast oh. and he's been sitting on this oh. to wait for this week's podcast. <laughs> oh, my bad. Of I'm just players that who have committed to a school, what's the closure rate for Coach Anderson when he gets him to visit Corvallis? It's got to be pretty high <laughs> considering that I can't think of one who visited it then committed elsewhere yet. That would be a question better suited for you, admittedly. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, Ebbs, I... I the closure rate's been pretty darn good. I'd say, because, what, 90%, uh, right, at least? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the number right here, but they're closing on these guys. And, you know, a guy like Hamilcar gets an offer Monday afternoon, and he is committed by Monday night and has canceled all his other trips, including Nebraska. So um, these guys aren't messing around. The staff is not messing around saying, go take other visits and check out and make sure you want to be a beaver. It's close close time. Um Hard to compare because it's just one year, but former coach, what do you think his closing rate ended at for his stint at OSU? Well, I mean, his closure rate was pretty high in a lot of ways, but 
he was recruiting guys that nobody else were, you know, he was going against a, you know, San Jose State or, gotcha. you know, San Diego State. So it it's, wasn't like, yeah. um, so it's not a three and four star kid almost every time that he's no, closing. No, no. Yeah. So, um, but the biggest thing is to get these kids on campus because, you know, there's a lot of dirty recruiters out there that want to paint Corvallis at this, as this little small podunk town. Yeah. And, you know, my, my throw right back to that is, have you been to Tuscaloosa or some of these other towns? And so by getting these student athletes on campus, no matter who the staff was or is, that's huge. Because then these, these young men say, like, wow, okay, there's a lot going on here for, you know, there's 26,000 students and it's a college town and, you know, it's not in the middle of nowhere. Um, you got another one or you want me to read a couple? You, you throw one. Okay. Uh, from at Mr. Mike Larson, this staff seems strange handling injuries, storm, grimble, etc. Staff decides or player if ready to play. Well, I think the, the, the biggest thing, and I don't think fans are used to this necessarily, but there's so many changes to privacy laws right now in HIPAA. I mean, they, a lot of this staff can't talk about injuries mm-hmm. because the, the player themselves have not signed off on it. So um, it is it does seem more secretive, but with the legality of it, they have to stay that way. See, and the thing too is, I, I not I not only do I do I kind of retweet that thought, uh, I just think it's a different different way of going about it. Like your your previous head coach would literally come in the press conference after the game. Like, I think he broke his ankle. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think he broke his ankle. Like that's just how blunt he was. And you'll get the coach now like, well, we'll evaluate. We'll see. Like, and, you, and Anderson relies heavily on the on the medical staff. He absolutely you know, he's does. Flat out he's like, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. And I lean heavily on what the doc says. But you're right. If if Storm Woods comes to Coach Anderson before a game and says, "Hey, I'm not ready," I Storm is one of those kids that wants to win, and so he wants the best guy out there. And if he feels that he's not that guy, he'll he'll pull himself. Admitted, get the next best guy out there. Admittedly, though, it there is um it it has been strange. Like I I wouldn't say that they. Yeah, I guess they kind of would. Like, I do think it is a little strange the way it has kind of played out, though. Like, with a Stormwood, you mentioned he doesn't want to play if he's not ready. Yeah. But at the same token, like, we're not really told that he's not able to play. The Michigan game comes to my mind, and granted, that was a while ago. So, like, he was warming up, and boom, he's not going to play the whole first half. Exactly. It leads to such speculation. Yeah, and I I think that's what somebody like a Mike Larson would come to think is, like, this kind of strange. Like, even Jalen Grimble. I mean, yeah. I don't think it was made of, maybe it was to, you know, beat writers that are there a little more than myself uh, and even fans like like you, Angie. I don't I don't ever recall it ever being that public what was wrong with Jalen Grimble. And so I can kind of... me. Yeah, I mean, but like, I don't think people really understood the extent to what it meant because he'd be on some games, he'd be in his uniform and on yeah. the sidelines and just stand there. And, you know, I think from that perspective, when you go from one guy who's really open and tells you everything... To another guy who doesn't, for whatever reason, um, I, I can see, I can understand the perspective of how it could be perceived as a little strange. Yeah, exactly. No, it is. And like I said, when the sec- the secrecy of it leads to speculation. Yeah. Uh, another one from Spencer Williams. Uh, love the podcast. Highlight of my week. Ah, oh, dude, that was that's wow. too nice of you. How good is this recruiting class as a whole? Where do we lack? I think that second part of that question is a fantastic question. It is. That is a great question. Well, right now, per rivals rankings, Oregon State comes in at forty-four. Forty-four, baby. I knew that. That's are you surprised? I knew that. That's good, Brandon. I've been looking. You're, uh, You're doing your homework. I know. So, I talked to you, and I actually pay attention to some stuff. Now. <laughs> so 
from that standpoint, you know, that's, A, their class is way bigger right now than it's been ever at this time in this juncture. Um, what I see the staff doing is kind of trying to, this isn't a question that he asked, but they are trying to fill up this class so that saves January for keeping the poachers at bay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can kind of just spend your time keeping the guys you have, whereas other philosophies in the past have been you bring in all the guys in January and try to, to get them then. So mm-hmm. different philosophy. As far as areas that I could see some more, I mean, DBs, I think the staff needs another safety or two, cornerback, right, in that area. Are they looking at JUCOs, do you know, like any in those areas? They are. You know, Markel Simmons is a, a young man that visited um, back early in the season. He's out of uh, Pima Community College down in Tucson. He actually visited last year, too, because they thought he was going to be a, a December qualifier. But um, So he's visited twice, I believe. But um, he's still keeping things open. Nebraska came in on him as well. So um, he has a couple other visits he wants to take. But, you know, it's funny because I don't know what your take is, Brandon, but on Blitz, there's been so much discussion about the Beavers needing more D-tackles. Mm-hmm. Everybody's freaking out about D-tackles. Well, their defensive line, uh, Angie, we talked about that before the year. We thought that was going to be kind of a strength, and it has been incredibly disappointing. Oh, it's been, yes. Going to the 3-4, though, so they already have several DNs in the mix. But I'm looking here at the guys on scholarship. Noke Tago, mm-hmm. I mean, I... He hasn't played this year, and I, he's still recovering from that knee. So him and Grimble both suffered at the hands of USC last year. But coming back, you have Sumner Houston, Kalani Vakamelalo, and Alu Aiden. Three guys that you know, two of which are getting ample playing time this year. Yep. Alu, they were very, very high on him, and he's on the ready list right now. So if it's a three-four, you have three deep right there. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and look, that that's the tough part. Like, and and admittedly, I think the beauty of I think I why I enjoy doing this podcast, aside from like just talking Oregon State football with with somebody like yourself, is that you you have like like that go to knowledge of the depth. And I think it's important for people to understand some of these things because look, a lot of these fans that are listening to our podcast, you're listening because you're a diehard Oregon State fan, and that's freaking fantastic. But you know, you're working class people. Like you don't, you don't have all the time in the day to think about the three deep and the four deep. And so, I think it's good uh, to get that information out to listeners. I mean, Angie lives and breathes this stuff. So <laughs> lives and breathes it. We have another. And I understand it's tough. I mean, you see, Grimble yeah, and Pecco are both leaving. Sure. It's, but I, yeah, maybe one if they could find a great, you know, guy. Yes, by all means, but it's not um, it's not a dire need like I've I've seen some fans think it is. All right, we have another one from at JD underscore Beeves. Why did Nal get zero carries last week? Oh, that was a big question in the Machado household. But um, after the game, Anderson addressed the fact that they they didn't feel that the up the middle run was going to work against Utah, and they were trying to get outside. So that is why we saw Storm and Bolden. Zero carries though. Oh, I, mean, I would have tried it. I mean, seriously, give it a try. That's, I mean, that's kind of where you lose me. I mean, I know I, I, I read Gary Anderson's explanations to that, but uh, you, you lose me on it. The kid had, what, 122 yards against he's Colorado? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's labeled as the war daddy. And I, yeah, I, I, I see his point. I see Anderson's point. That was, um, I haven't questioned very much of this coaching staff. There's been times, little spurts here and there. It's their first year. That was one of those, like, really? You didn't that give Ryan one, and then one? When they were, when, um, Colorado was the other time I questioned the offensive calling when it was third and pretty long and they changed out quarterbacks. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I, we, we talked about that. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't like Those are the two questions, marks that I've kind of been. But. Okay, I think we got uh, one I last have Baz one. Drac. Okay, you go with 12. that one. Angie and Brandon, what key components or tax, tactics do you attribute to the increased success in recruiting this year when compared to previous coaching staffs? Why such a dramatic shift in creating positive momentum like we've never seen before? Um, let me go first on this because I think yes. you, you have a little more knowledge on it. My 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 opinion from from afar is I think this staff gives zero Fs. I think they came into this mentality of, dude, we don't care if it's Corvallis or Los Angeles. We are going to go after the kids we want to go after and that we know we can convince to come here and build this thing up. I think it's a mentality and confidence that we haven't seen in a long time. Now, I do I do not like this. I don't like that, and I get that recruiting completely fell off in a lot of people's minds at the end of the former coach's tenure. I don't like the idea or notion that that guy never inspired or had incredible recruiting classes that came in, because I just disagree with that. I think early on in the, you know, the 06s, 07s, there were really good recruits that came in and made huge impacts for that program. But I have just been blown away by their ability, this staff, this year's staff, to come in, new environment, new system, and not only coach football and be somewhat competitive in a lot of these games, but to continue to impress kids to the point of, despite a loss to Colorado at home, mm-hmm. they're getting getting them to recruit anyway. And, you know, I think I, I just attribute most of it uh, to just the confidence and the, the swagger almost in establishing something like that at a program Quite frankly, they needed it. They need this jolt to the gut and this jolt to their system. And I think this is the right staff for it. And so I, I just I think the confidence, they're exuberating it so much. I don't even know if that's a word, but they're showing so much of it uh, that I think that goes a long way with a lot of kids. Kids can tell. Uh, people can tell when you're bullshitting them. And I think a lot of these kids, when they come to Corvallis, can tell. These coaches aren't bullshitting, and this is a legit opportunity for them to build something special. Nope. I, I mean, for not knowing recruiting, Brandon, you hit that pretty much on the head. So. Oh, I thought you were um, saying, nope, that was all wrong. <laughs> all, no, and that's, you know, and a lot of it has to come down to sales and salesmanship and, yeah. you know, closing. Oregon State, this staff closes. You know, they ask for the business. They ask for these kids to commit. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill. I mean, I spent many years in sales and it's a tough, tough skill to have and you either have it or you don't yeah. really. And, uh, the staff is, you know, asking these guys to commit. I completely agree with that notion. I completely so, agree with everything. We're in agreement there. It's too we bad. Are. I mean, wow. I think people like, uh, I think people enjoy the skip Bayless, Stephen A stuff and disagreeing and hot takes and debate, embracing debate. So I'm sorry that we didn't give you any debate I know, there. But no, Brandon, actually, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much just blown away. You, you <laughs> blew that one out right out of the water, buddy. Well, I told you, like doing the podcast, I'm paying more attention to things and, you know, have, getting to talk to a couple of these coaches a little bit this season because it's unfortunate I don't get to go down as much. But you kind of just pick up on it. Like I said, people can tell when somebody's bullshitting. And yes. I've met Kalani Sataki three or four times, text him a little bit. Telly Lockett a couple times, Gary Anderson once, Dave Baldwin a couple. Like, I can just tell right away, like, oh, they're not bullshitting at all. No, they're like, they tell you straight up. Yeah, you can just, you get a sense from them. Um, We have another one. We have a couple. I want to read a couple more. We have have three more. 
at okay. Phil Bro Baggins. That's a great Twitter handle. Do you see Seth Collins ever starting another game for Oregon State? Because I don't. Ouch. Um, yeah, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I like that you went, ouch. No. Yeah, you know what? I agree. <laughs> I mean, we'll get talking about Nick Mitchell here in a minute. Yeah. But um, does he play? Yes. No, again, I don't. We don't even know what the knee injury is. We don't know what he did. He said he hyperextended it, but I mean, okay, well, I mean that that was the quote I saw. I don't know what that means, but uh, I will say no as well. Another one from at J underscore Eshelman. Likelihood of getting commit from this week's group of uncommitted visitors. Also, do we get Lucas? Chase Lucas is a tough one. I, you know, all the the big time recruitniks out there in the world seem to think that he's ASU bound. I, you know, he really liked his trip, and this is where this is where Anderson and his staff needs to, uh, you know, will earn their money is if they can convince him to come with his quarterback and one of his linebacker friends mm-hmm. and uh, try to build something in Corvallis. Yeah. So Chase is a, like I said, I I actually gave it a pretty, I, you know, after his visit when I talked to him, I would have said sixty forty Oregon State fifty fifty right in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he really enjoyed his time, so. But, you know, then you have Todd Graham showing up, you know, five miles away and he takes a helicopter to the kid's game. I mean, seriously, yeah. dude? Yeah, he's, really? well, he's desperate. Um, and then as far as recruits this weekend, um, I guess we can talk about the, the guys coming in this weekend. Okay. Um, a couple commits that are already committed. Javante Ferguson will be coming out, wide receiver out of Florida. He's been committed for a while. One of the, one of the fastest kids in Florida. I think, I believe he actually won the gold medal in the, in the spring in the 100 meters for the entire state of Florida. Wow. Big time fast kid. Yeah. Five eight one sixty. Thank you, little fly sweep guy. Andre Hughes Murray will be here. He was a commit we just spoke about. Uh, Marcus Strong, DB. Um, name sounds familiar. It's Justin Strong and Victor Strong Butler's right. brother. Yeah. Younger brother. Cornerback out of Rialto will be flying up early, early on Friday or Saturday morning. Riley Sharp. We have him listed as a tight end in Rivals, but Oregon State is recruiting him as an outside linebacker out of Utah. He's coming in, and the big one is four-star linebacker Elise Mbembasi out of Georgia. This young man, if you have a second, get over to Beaver Blitz and just check out the visit list and check on the picture of Elise Mbembasi. The kid is huge. He looks like he's 30 now. Look at that. You Jeez. see the picture? Yeah, I do. Holy um, crap. Big time recruit. He this has offers 18? from everybody. I mean, Michigan, Notre Dame, Jeez. you name it. Jeez. Oklahoma has maybe the team to beat here. Um, yeah. He's only played football for two years. He grew up in Africa, played soccer his whole whole life. Came to the United States. I spoke with his coach earlier this week, and you know, I said flat out, you know, hey, is he seriously interested in Oregon State? And he said, yes, definitely the interest is very, very high. Wow. So um, inside linebacker, he's 6'2", 225-ish, um, thick, thick kid, and would be a difference maker right out of the gate. So there we go. There's some recruiting stuff. Uh, this is the last question I have, um, and then we'll get to Nick Mitchell. <laughs> Think about this for a second. This is from at Cedar Flats, and I do know for a fact this guy's a Duck fan. So he's not trolling when he asks this question. He's legitimately curious. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. 
I don't, I don't consider it a sandwich, but mm. I guess it could be. I don't know. I don't like hot dogs. Well, would you say, I mean, because the sandwich bit is, you know, you got meat between bread. Yeah. And a hot dog kind of does that. Yeah, I guess. So, yes? It's, it's whether you consider hot dog meat. I mean, it's... But I guess peanut butter and jelly. Salami. Would you consider salami a meat? I mean, it's kind of the yeah. same thing. Processed crap. I guess crap. it is a sandwich. I don't know. Something <laughs> I don't really ponder with my time, but... <laughs> I can tell by your response that I'm just like, uh, who cares? Or... <laughs> Pretty much. I'm sorry. You know <laughs> what? what duck fans ask? No, you know what's wrong with that is I know that guy, he's tweet maker. He's a listener of my radio show. And uh, we talked about that because I am one of those idiots that ponders dumb stuff like okay. that. Okay. It's uh, it's really dark and deep, but that's kind of what I get into in my, in my huh. mindset. Okay. Okay. Well, that that was a that was a good question. I just killed I I killed the podcast. I just killed the vibe. Like <laughs> people are listening to this in their car and they're like, "Are you shitting me, Sprague? That's how you're gonna <laughs> screw that up." I'll, that might be the most bizarre question I've ever been asked. I know, I know, and I apologize. I could ask you much more bizarre questions, but uh, I figured I'd get that one and see what you thought, and now I know. Um, we'll move on to Nick Mitchell. What do you think? Is it a sandwich? Look, I think this. I think hot dog is a weird meat, but if we're just going by the definition, I think it kind of has to be considered. Because here's the thing, is guy who says it's not a sandwich goes, well, it's a hot dog. What does that mean? Well, a hot dog is a hot dog. What does that mean, though? Like, why is it not a sandwich? Well, because it's a hot dog. I and, and and I don't get it. People lose me with the bun thing, too, because it's like, oh, it's in a bun, not between just two sliced pieces of bread. Well, what do we call Philly cheesesteak? Yeah, sub, sub sandwiches. And it's on a hoagie. It's like it's the same thing as a bun. So if we're going to call a cheesesteak a sandwich, I think just by definition, a hot dog is a sandwich. Okay, there okay. you go. There's my two cents. Uh, we'll move on. Nick Mitchell... Started against Utah and played pretty well um, at, at times. Oregon State didn't play terribly and get blown out. I picked them to lose by the 21 and a half. Uh, that was one of the lines in Vegas on my radio show. And I learned a valuable lesson. Don't ever bet against your one of your favorite teams. And so I learned a valuable lesson there. And they played well. What did you think of Nick Mitchell? I thought he did well. I mean, I, I do think Utah was... They were. They seemed in a funk. At least the whole crowd, everything. It was kind of a weird atmosphere. I expected, you know, that whole stadium to be electric. It, it didn't seemed, seem fired up at all. No. Um, I mean, Nick. He was serviceable. It was two hundred four yards, forty yards rushing. Um, he didn't make any glaring mistakes that you might expect from a freshman getting a first start on the road. Yep. Um, he took care of the ball. He, you know, he his passes are a lot better than Seth Collins. I think the receivers need to step up, and I hate calling guys out, but there were some drops that probably shouldn't have been dropped. Victor Bolden Jr. looking at you. So, um, <laughs> you know, I honestly, I don't, I mean, it wasn't one of those performances like, you know, Jonathan Smith coming in at Washington and yeah. it that blew you away, like, oh my gosh, this guy is awesome. But hey, I mean, like I said, he, did, he didn't lose the game for him, and he did a, a good job. Did did you watch? Do you watch the drive on Pac-12 Net? Uh, no, I haven't watched much of it. Okay, well, it was actually kind of comical last night because it was the Utah game, and at one point that fourth quarter when they're they when they scored that last touchdown, they um be, before they went in, it flashed to the sideline, and and uh, somebody said it was Zach Nyborg, the uh, the uh, number two basically there, Anderson's right hand man. He said Nick was just puking in the garbage can. 
And Coach Anderson kind of laughed and was, that's a freshman for you. <laughs> Why was he puking? Was he sick or nervous? Oh, I think he's just nervous. Jeez Louise. You know, you have to get your team back in. And I think it was, you know, nerves kind of acting up on the poor kid. Yeah. You know, I th- I think this of uh, the whole Mitchell Collins thing, because I know we had that question uh, in the questions section. I would I would just like to see him stick with Mitchell. Um, I was one of those, hey, what happened to everybody with Seth Collins? And I saw people's arguments, but I still thought we abandoned everything too quickly. Uh-huh. And maybe at the end of the day, we still get a Seth Collins start uh, before the season's over. But Nick Mitchell has a golden opportunity. Like, this is his golden ticket to the Wonka factory this weekend against UCLA, against UCLA. Because if he can play well against UCLA... Uh, he will be the starter, I think, the rest of the year. He can grab the reins of this gig. And it's not like it's a determining factor for the program in, in next year or year after that. But, I mean, it's a hell of a confidence boost, and it really shows you what the coaches think of the kid if he plays well against the UCLA and gets the starting gig the rest of the year. Because this knee injury, although unfortunate for Collins, uh, what we've seen from Mitchell, I mean, if, if throwing is key and crucial in your game, there's no doubt it's Mitchell, and it's not even close compared to the two. It's yeah, and, running. And I think that helped Mitchell. I think that helped Nick in Salt Lake because Seth Collins stayed home. Ex- so he did yeah. not have to sit there and worry about Exactly, coming out, because he's not going to go McMarion. And, and if, if running is crucial to your offense, which it is, guess who actually ran pretty decently? He ran, yeah, he and, ran and, okay. And I really wasn't shocked by that, because we had talked about on one of them, on one of the podcasts, like, we knew Collins was faster and more athletic, but I think we had also said, look, Mitchell can run a little bit. He can yeah, move. Yeah. He's not like a Sean Mannion back there. He's not a big stiff that's just going to get hit and not move. The kid can – he's got a little wheels, and yeah. he showed that against Utah. So, for me, just from a fan perspective, just stick with Mitchell. I Again, I hate the two-quarterback thing, and I kind of understand why they do it. It's the first year. They're not going anywhere. They want to see stuff. But – I, I just think you give Mitchell the reins. And he got the reins against Utah. He didn't come out at all. And he played well. And, yeah, I agree. And now and, you get a chance against the Bruins. And to me, I, I I just like to see him get this gig the rest of the season. Yeah, this is like you said, this is the golden ticket. He plays well. And, and you know, he's he's a quarterback. There there could be a sack. There could be an interception in there. But um, just don't do don't lose the game. Yeah, and well, and, and I think that's that's even like Angie. I think even that's a tough ask because you're yeah, talking, oh yeah, like this is the thing about UCLA. Let's not forget UCLA has a crap ton of talent coming talent. in there, and I know the freshman quarterback might give some people hope defensively, but this kid's still no, capable. He's been, Josh Rosen's been like lights out. It's been, I mean, in fact, that was my question to the to the um, UCLA publisher at, at Rivals was. How many times you you know what what has caused Josh Rosen to be this good as a freshman? Yeah, the, well, this kid is. I mean, he is. He could put up 330 yards on you in a heartbeat. And you know, I've, I've read really good stories on Rosen. There was one about him being a multi-sport athlete and how he was a really big tennis player. And his his mom has actually given him credit and said tennis is really what made him a great quarterback. It wasn't like he was this quarterback phenom that went all these camps. He played multiple sports and tennis for hand-eye coordination, yeah. uh, touch on a ball, and just kind of that feel is really what got him in the position of being a good quarterback that he is. And so, I think you got to you got to be cautious. Like it's great to get a good performance against Utah, uh, but I don't know how you didn't watch that game and say it kind of feels like Utah just whatever reason not playing well or. 
I don't know what the crowd's problem was. It just it was a weird atmosphere at Rice Eccles. Like it, nobody really wanted to play a game except Oregon State. And I don't mean to take anything away from the Beavers, but this is going to be a damn hard challenge. And I want to see what Nick Mitchell's going to do against a really good UCLA defense, even without a Miles Jack. I agree. And I, I'm just going to jump in here real quick to give a couple shout outs because they're, they're kind of the unsung heroes, but shout out to Will Hopkins and Drew Clarkson on the offensive line because those two came in. Um, Clarkson's actually played a little bit for Fred Lawina already mm-hmm. at the uh, left guard spot, but Harlow goes down and Will Hopkins comes in at left tackle. That's the money spot right there. Here's a kid who battled mono earlier in the year, had dropped, you know, he already has trouble keeping weight on anyway, and had dropped, you know, 30 pounds. And he comes in and did a great, great job yeah. against a, a very, very tough Utah pass rush. Absolutely he did. Or they did. I, I should say they did, really. Um, yeah, so Nick Mitchell gets a start against UCLA, and uh, we'll see what he can do against the UCLA. And then I think the other thing that I wanted to talk about, I don't know if you wanted to touch on anything else with Nick Mitchell. Nope, that's uh, good. Okay. Um, we don't. We haven't talked about him much. We talked about him a little bit before the year started, is the former coach. Because in Nebraska, uh, things are not going well for the former Oregon State staff, not just the head coach, the staff, as they lost to Purdue, a team that hadn't beaten an FBS opponent all season long. And now the AD for Nebraska, Sean Eichhorst, had to send out a, a letter telling fans, boosters, alums, everything, hey, be patient. We're rebuilding this thing brick by brick. We trust in Mike Riley. Uh, and if you recall, there was an AD that used to be at Oregon State not too long ago that sent out the same letter for the basketball coach who is no longer the basketball coach. So I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it's a tail sign that Riley's gone, but... What an absolute mess his first year in Nebraska. Oh, awful. I mean, three and six right now, one and four in conference. They have Michigan State this week, and they're not winning that, so they're three and seven. Uh, I got to bring up their schedule. But and then I, they have at Rutgers. At Rutgers. And then they could home lose. against Iowa. And Iowa will probably be, they potentially could be three and nine this year. Mm-hmm. He won five games at Oregon State last year with way less talent than he has way less in Nebraska. Talent. It's, and, and, and look, there was a there's a part of it like I'm not going to be the one to tell you how to feel like you can feel how you feel as a sports fan. I do think at the end of his tenure when he left, there was a lot of media members that said this is the best you can do. Deal with it. Shut up. And that is instantly if you don't like the way things are going, going to build this this negative feel towards a, an individual, and you end up rooting against. Him. I do this all the time in sports where I have an opinion about a quarterback, and it's nothing personal, but because of said opinion. I'll end up kind of rooting against the guy. I'm like, oh, I kind of hope he fails. That's I said, why I'm with good. Peyton Manning. It, yeah, see, there I you go. I don't like Peyton Manning. There you go. You don't like Peyton Manning for whatever okay. reason, and every time you watch him, I'm like, come on, throw a pick. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And I think that those those pieces that were written, those things that were said, that builds resentment. And that's what's funny is it's gotten to a point where I don't personally view this, but I think there's a lot of beer fan out there that get satisfaction out of the fact that he is really struggling in Lincoln. You know, I, I don't know if it's satisfaction per se, but I, That's I a vindication. think there are Beaver fans out there that are kind of, they, they may have thought certain things, mm-hmm. and to see, you know, the same struggles, Nebraska's struggling with the same things on defense that they really struggled with at Oregon State, special teams blunders when, you know, your second highest paid coach is the special teams coordinator, 
offense. I mean, this is a team that needs to be running the ball. And when they abandon the run, their fans get a little. So it's the same stuff that Beaver fans. I mean, I've checked out the Red Sea Scrolls over at Nebraska Rival site, and holy cow. I mean, a lot more, of, more, lot more fans than Beaver fans, but they are saying so much the same things that Beaver fans were saying, you know, the past couple of years. You know, the other thing, too, with him is I, I truly feel this way. He will not succeed. Let's let's say uh, he's not fired, which I'm, I'll say this right now. If he goes three and nine, I think he will be. I, I don't think that's absurd to think at all. Uh, I don't care what they've paid you him. They just give him one year, huh? Yeah. If they go three and nine, how do you spin that? You were nine wins last. Like, I don't care who they lost. How do you spin a three win season in Nebraska? They've had um, my co-host, Andy Johnson, did some research because he has family in Omaha and they text him every Saturday this season. <laughs> what the hell is this guy doing? I think he found, and I hope I'm not wrong on this stat, they've had two, two sub-bowl seasons in the last 50 years at Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, I think you were right there. Like three wins. Yeah, I think he's gone. And let's say he survives it. He has to cut the loyalty act because I'm yeah, sorry, Mark yeah. Mark Banker can't coach new age college football. He can't coach defense against spread option, read option quarterbacks. Purdue again is absolute trash. They are atrocious. They're embarrassing, and they hadn't beaten an FBS opponent. And their quarterback ran all over their defense like nobody knew that the quarterback was going to run the ball. It's, they lost to Illinois too. You can't like you just you cannot have those kind of performances and survive. And so. I think if 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 he's gonna make it there and he's gonna make year two, he's either gonna he's gonna sink or swim with Banker. He's either gonna have to make the decision to move on, or convince Mark Banker to take a job at some small college and move on. But I, I think he's gonna have to cut the loyalty act because I, I I I appreciate it. I think it's great being loyal, but when it starts costing you your profession and your manhood, um, I, I think at that point you you have to cut loyalty. And so I think it's gotten to that point for them. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard though. I mean. Coach Riley did so much, you know, at Oregon State and, um, you know, as a person, wish him the best. But it's been it's been pretty eye-opening. Like I said, it's it's interesting that it, even in the Lodge, there's people that are, I wouldn't say they're happy, but, I mean, the, the Nebraska football comes up way more than it ever has well, ever okay. before. Okay, then then if you would say that not, you went classrooms, what, what, what percentage would you say is like, the fifty-fifty polling form slash kind of enjoying watching something, some things be validated. I mean, where would you label I, it? You know, it's most of the time. I mean, obviously the people that are posting are kind of the ones that are, but it, it's a lot of the. You know, gosh, their defense, their past defense is not good, or mm-hmm. their special teams are making blunders, or why aren't they running the ball? You know, they have this running back who's picking up yards and they're still trying to pass. Yeah, and you know, so Beaver fan, at least at Beaver Blitz, has, has been saying, hey. It's the same stuff that we were, you know, complaining about the past couple of years. Yep. Yep. It's, um, I've never, I've never been shy and not voicing how I really feel. Mike Riley, I will always root for Mike Riley. Uh, I do always, you know, I did feel at the end, it kind of plateaued and I was okay with both sides moving on. And I thought both sides ended up getting great deals out of the situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm not taking enjoyment out of it. And it's it's it really is kind of unfortunate because I, I I just I don't really I don't care to hear too many negative things like the guy built Oregon State up to a really respectable really good program contending for Pac-12 titles for a couple of years mm-hmm. and people need to have perspective for that 
Um, and so I kind of, I was kind of pulling for him. I, I wanted him to go to Lincoln and he may, he still might, he still might, he's not over yet. He hasn't been fired or anything. Um, but I wanted him to go to Lincoln and I wanted him to find some success and get that shot at that big program. Cause here's the thing too. I think Oregon state fan that might be getting some satisfaction out of whatever it is, a part of his staff or whatever. I think you take a, take a second too, and you step back and you say, man, this guy had our program at a level of potential back-to-back Rose Bowl appearances. Mm-hmm. And to do that, I, it's great what Gary Anderson's doing, but like to put the team in that context in this conference, that's legendary stuff, man. Like That mm-hmm. is respectable, admirable, all-time great stuff. And so it sucks watching it. I'm not really shocked that the defense is getting lit up and they're terrible, but... You know, it sucks for him as the head coach, the guy who's, he's the fall guy. He gets paid two plus million a year to coach there and he's going to be looked at as responsible. And so I, I just, I don't like to see it because I don't know how you can as a fan, but at any point in 08, 09, um, you know, any of the years, hell, you want to go to 07, 06, any year. I don't know how you as a fan can watch those seasons uh, and how close they got in certain situations and be so happy and fulfilled and, and satisfied and despite what, you know, a couple media members who were completely misguided and just had so much love for the guy that they were blinded by it, uh, I don't know how you can root against it. I just yeah, I, 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 I just I never agree. understand it. I really won't. Cause completely. Cause we the, agree again. Gosh, we're no fun today. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a you problem. It is a me problem. I think you like my opinions right now. Um, okay, uh, we're pretty much wrapped up. I do want to touch on something real quick that we got from a listener. It wasn't a damn question, uh, but it was from a listener named Patrick Burke. He wanted to know if we could talk a little hoops. They kick off against uh, who is it? Northwest Christian. Did I say yeah, that right? yeah, it's an exhibition game tonight. Yeah, yeah. So he wants to know if uh, we could. We could touch on some hoops. And Angie, I know eh, basketball might not necessarily be something that you're thinking about too much right now because we're in the heart of recruiting and football season. But um, I think we can give a couple minutes. I'm 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 super pumped for this year. And the expectations might be a little unrealistic in my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, you're, people are buying it. It's not just fans. It's media. Like Joe Lenardi did his way too early Um bracketology and he has Oregon State as like a plane for the 11 seed and in it there's another bracket I saw on CBS Sports I think it is they have Oregon State in like this is a year people think finally they finally get over that hurdle they win maybe 19 or 20 games and they get in into the NCAA you think they tournament win 19 or 20 no I don't I I, I think 17 18 I, and, and the problem with that is you would see 17 because they won 17 last year and say hey they just plateaued. They didn't get better. Uh, you got to be careful with this. The conference, I think, was kind of taken by storm by him and what they were able to do and, and his system. Um, and so that can catch people off guard. And then I think he saw kind of the end, who, that's, who that group is of talent-wise, because they kind of got shut down at the end of that season uh, and finished, I think, 17 and 14 on the year, if I'm not mistaken. So they, they kind of trailed off there at the end. And I love the recruits they got in. But there's a prove-it-to-me factor that I will always say with any recruits in any sport. Prove it to me. Uh, you can have all the stars you can next to your name, but I want to see you actually do it. And there's a chemistry gelling process. See that, that, I was just going to bring that up. That's my big question is how this group can come together and play with those, all, that whole group of young guys. You know, I think last year's team overachieved 
mm-hmm. in a lot of a lot of areas. They I think were everybody would agree with that. Chip on their shoulder, you know, something to prove. And now you have all this talent, and how do they, you know, meld with that group? Well, and think too, like the starting lineup, how that's going to change. Who, yeah. what's the rotation's going to be like? Um, now, and, and how do these guys handle that? You know, how do the veterans handle maybe not playing as much as they're used to, and how do the young guys handle? You know. It's, the whole team dynamic is going to be interesting to watch. This well, year. and Daniel Gomez is out with uh, one of his broken hand, if I'm not mistaken. Hand, yeah. So he'll be out for a while. Um, we know that Trace is dealing with, he had a fracture. Stress fracture in his foot. And there was ah, one more kid. Who? What was the injury? And who was he? There was one more injury yeah, to there them. Was another. Well, uh, the other one was um, the other Montana. Kendall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kendall Manuel. Yes, yes. Um, and again, but he I, was looking to redshirt anyway, so. I think, Not huge, yeah. I think they're going to be good, but I could totally see just 18 uh, wins. This conference is good, too. Like You can't just ignore the fact that Cal brought pretty much their roster back. Oregon is going to be a good team this year. Dan Altman continues to use a bunch of transfer kids and succeed. Uh, I think USC is going to be much improved. Andy Infield from... Uh, what was it? He came from that Florida school where they beat Georgetown in the tourney. I think he could maybe have a year where they break out a little bit. Uh, I, I just think they're going to be some schools to watch out for that. Not a lot of people are talking about Arizona is going to be Arizona. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. I, I just, it's, I don't, it sounds negative. I know, but I think they'll have a good year, but won't be able to quite get to a number that maybe some fans think. I just, I don't, I don't know if it's NCAA tournament type team yet. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it could, it's, it's a bubble, you know, maybe on the verge. I say 17, 18 wins is my, my prediction. Yeah, I, I, I think they're one year away. I know a lot of people want to jump all in this year, and I get it. And I, I, if you go to Gill, great. Let it rock. Uh, we need to get crowds back into Gill. But I, I think we're one year away from yeah, talking in the so, tournament. Beaver fans listening to the podcast, if you're still with us, awesome. Thank you for hanging in there this long. But let us know, let Brandon and I know, either at Beaver Blitz or on uh, Twitter, if you guys want to hear more basketball talk each week. There you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I love I love hoops. Uh, I love the NBA way more than college because I think the shot clock sucks. But um, I I love talking hoops, like basketball. Football is king in media. We always have to talk it on radio or on podcasts, and I get it. But uh, my voice, my my first love is is always probably going to be hoops. I just I love the game of basketball. So if you guys want more more hoops talk, and you know, I know it was brief, but you want more of it, uh, tweet us at Angie Machado one. At Brandon Sprague. Anything else you want to touch on? Anything you want to pub this week? No, just uh, check out Beaver Blitz. Like I said, chat. When you're listening to this, uh, we'll be jumping in the chat room tonight at 8 o'clock. Be a member. It's a member-only chat that we uh, do every, typically Wednesday night uh, to Beaver Blitz. There you go. Check out beaverblitz.com for all of Angie's work. Uh, they do fantastic stuff over there. 1080 The Fan, noon to 3, Dirt and Sprague. That is my radio show if you're in Portland, or you can stream it on the 1080 The Fan mobile app or the TuneIn radio app as well. Uh, we talk all kinds of things, Ducks, Beavers, uh, Blazers, national stuff, just to have a ton of fun uh, there. So that's where you can catch us and all the work that we do. Uh, it's been fantastic. Thank you to everybody that's been listening. We've gotten really good numbers. I'm really impressed with them, doing really well on iTunes. I hope you guys are enjoying it. We appreciate all the questions, all the love that we've gotten, and uh, we have a ton of fun doing it. So thank you for listening to the damn podcast. Oregon State kicks off at 1 o'clock against UCLA, and we will probably talk about that a little bit next week and bring you some more stuff on the damn podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, go Beeves.